0: Welcome and salutations. I am Daniel Kerlin, the host of Den of Utaku, Den of Geek's official anime discussion series. And if things look a little different here, it's because we've gone international. Yes, Den of Utaku has flown across the pond and we're in London, baby. Join us in the belly of the beast at Anime Con London while we see the sights, sounds, and sensations of what it means to be an anime fan in London. We've got some fun interviews for you, some cosplay interviews, and just talking to the con, seeing what's going on. So come along and join us. Let's go. Den of Otaku here with Keith Silverstein Very happy to be talking with you Awesome. Happy to be here myself. Yeah. And just first off, like one of my favorite anime series of all time is Monster. Um, Oh, okay. Such like a brilliant cat and mouse serial killer kind of show that's like riffing on the Frankenstein's monster concepts, too. And your character, Johan, is like the central antagonist and really such a fascinating figure. Was it difficult to kind of get in the headspace of that character? And is it exciting to kind of see? How many people have found that show now that it's streaming on Netflix? Because forever you couldn't find that show. Like, it wasn't available.
1: Yeah. No, that's very true. I, I think Viz put out the a third of the series on DVD back in the day and then just dropped the ball completely. Uh, the only way I know to to watch in English, because it's on Netflix now, but not in English, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I saw it was coming, and I was very excited. I announced it, and then I was like, oh. I mean, still cool it's there. Yeah. Uh, The only way I think is you got to do the YouTube old sci-fi channel, you know, play of it, basically. Uh, Johan was the most difficult character to get into character for, and I'll tell you why. I could get into the voice, but I really, for him, felt like I was cheating if I wasn't in the headspace. For the character. And uh, as a general note, when I'm recording in between takes, I like to goof around. That's just my personality. And I realized very quickly that I could not do that. Not, I, could, I, I felt like I was cheating if I did it. Right. I was like, ha, ha, ha. And then here's the line. Then I felt like I'm just doing the voice for you guys. And I really want to be in the headspace. So hopefully that came across in performance. But at least I wanted to be genuine while I was recording. And um, the second part of your question, yes, really cool when people find that show. Uh, because they've searched it out and found it, they're usually like extra diehard fans, which is very cool because they know they found something special and not everybody has seen it or knows about it. Um, so it's it's amazing that people are talking about it. I mean, I don't know how many years is ten years
0: later? yeah there, there's a moment where like Guillermo del Toro was trying to do like a live action version of it, and I was like that's the perfect person to be doing that. Obviously it didn't happen, but just that yeah. show has such a legacy behind it.
1: I hope somebody picks it up for a live action there's it's it's something that does not need to be animated in any right. way. Uh, it's very cool that it is an anime, but at the same time it's like you
0: could just do this as a series. So For sure. please do. And I mean the fact that it's in like Germany and stuff too, mm-hmm. like it's really all over the place. Um yeah. kind of on a similar note too, like that same creator has the new show Pluto, which uh, is like yeah. this Astro Boy remix. Yes. I love that show so much. I think it's already like a modern classic and Epsilon, the character you play mm-hmm. in that, is kind of like the antithesis of Johan in a yeah. lot of ways. Was that an exciting production to be a part of, just with how highly anticipated it was. And, like, were you a fan of the original Astro Boy?
1: Uh, I'm familiar with Astro Boy. I, I've watched anime since I was a kid. Before I knew what anime was, I was definitely watching Kimba the White Lion and, uh, you know, Battle of the Planets and Speed Racer and all these things. Marine Boy, which nobody knows. <laughs> um, so, I, so I was always into it. Uh, this one, just to return to the same creator and the same art style as a Monster it was very clear to me there's no way I could have looked at a few frames of this without going wait a minute like hang on just a second uh, so it really felt like it was uh, I want to say meant to be but I needed to do it so I was very excited to be cast for it and to see the character I mean has Johan's face basically yes. and then there's a lot of characters like that that you're like
0: uh, same names too I, Yes, some, some, of the, too, yeah. some of the
1: same Tenma like there's a lot of <laughs> names that are, are the same in it so uh, it was uh, kind of full circle Yeah, and it felt really nice to be a part of that I think if it had honestly if it had come out and I had nothing to do with it I would have watched it and a small tear would have like oh why did I not why was I not a part of this I feel like I should have been Mm -hmm. so I was excited yeah it
0: was uh, like so many people were looking forward to it and it came out perfectly I think like it's so good
1: I did see it I enjoyed it very much myself so yeah
0: I love that Um, Mobile Suit Gundam is like kind of one of the holy grails of anime I'd say and you're so fortunate to have voiced Char in a lot of like the modern versions of the Universal Century timeline was that intimidating at all to take on a character that has like such a intense fandom around him I don't think
1: I realized how big the character was and mainly because I came into it as Full Frontal first. Right. We had done Gundam Unicorn, and I, I played Full Frontal, and I realized, I'm just for simplicity, that he's basically a you know, clone of Char. Um, so then when they brought me in to do Char, it was actually very interesting for me to kind of get his backstory. Right. Um, which I didn't know. I, I've been familiar with Gundam, but mainly because of the toys. As a kid, I was like, what are these? These are incredible. Mm-hmm. Never really got into Gundam. There's a lot of political intrigue, and I'm, I'm more for like, okay, give me a little bit of that. And now the space battle. Go space battle. Cue <laughs> that up. Um, although I did watch Origin and enjoyed it very much. It was really nice to get some backstory on him.
0: Kind of similarly, you've you've voiced Lupin the Third in some of the Lupin yes. movies, and like that is another just such a big anime icon. Was it exciting to put your mark on that? And that's also a character that like a lot of different actors have played him over the oh, years. Oh yeah, in, like is that a challenge when other people have kind of played the character already? Well, luckily it was a little bit of a challenge.
1: Luckily, uh, they were very specific with it. I know Tony Oliver is the main one I know, but I know like Sonny Strait and Bob Bergen. I mean, there's been a lot of other actors that have played Lupin. I'm a fan of Lupin the Third. I've been watching. I've been watching long before I was doing voiceover. It was just one of the things I gravitated towards when I started finding. Oh, I can rent anime at places. When I got to that age, that teenage. Uh, thing I watched a lot of Lupin. Um, I got an email. I had an audition for uh, Jigen and for Lupin. They said they were doing kind of a darker version, and so they were purposefully steering a little bit away from the voice. So I knew not to do exactly what <laughs> I had heard. Uh, you know, um, like say Tony do, and uh, auditioned. Uh, when I heard back from them, I had to read the email. I think like four times. Just to make sure, it was like congratulations, you you know you got the role of Lupin the Third, and I read it through and I thought, wait, maybe I got Jigen, maybe I got Jigen, and they're (laughs) just saying because the show is Lupin, right, right. So let me read it again. Uh, Really blew me away. I was uh, very excited at it, uh, about it. It was a bit daunting just because I love the character so much, but I really I felt like I identified with the character and I could I could be. I felt like my personality in real life was almost enough I don't have the Lupin skills but I, I can do that like bluster he's got a bit of a, a bluster sure. and he he I know he's like the greatest thief ever but he also makes a lot of mistakes and his friends mm-hmm. pull him out of it yeah um and I don't know I just felt like it was achievable to me so I was that helped me get into character for him and, and at least believe in myself
0: totally yeah. I love that um, one of my favorite characters you've played is Professor Tomo in really? Sailor Moon. That's such a wild <laughs> so character. <bizarre>. He's so <laughs> infamous. That whole twister scene is uh, ridiculous.
1: Yeah. You're the um, only one, Kaolinite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Can you talk a little on like the notoriety of that character and just the rare opportunity of like getting to reprise that role in Sailor Moon Crystal? And if your take on him had changed at all, returning to it like so many sure. years later.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, professor Tom, I always call him Tomoe. Is it Tomo? Is that how we're supposed to Mm -hmm. pronounce it? Uh, see, sometimes we don't even know how to pronounce our our own characters' (laughs) names, Uh, but no one corrected me. I guess he never said it. I think
0: you're probably right. I
1: I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't know. I know at my audition, I said, Keith Silverstein, Professor Tomoe. (laughs) Uh, And I I still booked it. Um, in the original Sailor Moon, which I have I really enjoy. There's something about it, like this older '70s vibe with the animation, the music, like everything. I'm a I'm a big fan of that. I love that. It reminds me of the stuff I grew up watching. Um, and uh, my stepdaughter had watched that years ago, and um, I had so much fun with him. He's so over the top and maniacal. I think probably the longest evil maniacal laugh I've ever done is Tomoe. <laughs> Uh, multiple times I think he's like first second and third (laughs) in that respect Um, when we did Crystal uh, it was a little disappointing for me and not that I didn't enjoy it and yes I did change the performance it's not as over the top and goofy and so uh, this character who that was so much of who he was in in the standard Sailor Moon um, it was it was difficult to go back and do him and like hold back yeah because I'm like but this is the same guy
0: yeah, the the whole tone of Crystal is kind of yeah. like subdued more. Like Absolutely, that yeah, yeah, and which
1: I respect as a choice. It's not me right. criticizing their no, choice no, no. to do it that way. It's just when I had just finished doing this other thing, and it was like, oh, it's like we're taking the fun out of Tomoe, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. now do him, do him, yeah. and take all that stuff out because he was so crazy. Uh, I, I had a blast on that. And in fact, it was really cool. It was the one uh, anime I think I worked on that I already had a toy. Like my stepdaughter had a toy in the cellar of him. That I didn't even know I had. And then at one point I was just kind of walking around down the street and I went, I I think I have a toy. And I went and dug through everything. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, everything but the glasses survived. And I actually had the Barbie of him and now he lives in my office. I love that. Yeah. It was really cool. I was like, meant to be.
0: To go to the other side of that, um, Mr. Osamatsu is one of my <laughs> favorite shows. The things that that show is doing is just so yeah. ridiculous. Ayami is such like a crazy gag character he's a real icon in japan too the whole shea thing is uh, oh. <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> i uh,
1: didn't realize how difficult that was you, sometimes they only give us a little bit of information in the auditions and so he's got this she thing and in my audition when he did it i went like she <laughs> i had no idea that would be how it would translate to english in my mind so i was like oh he's like you know she you know doing one of those and i learned very quickly no it's screaming like full all of your lungs everything you've got every yeah. time you see that and i was like
0: Great. (laughs) Was that like that series and that character, was it difficult to kind of just wrap your head around it all? Because that show is like very inside baseball, I think, in terms of anime.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it was difficult. I got, I mean, I understood a lot of the gags that they went with for the show and the choices they made. Uh, I I just loved how how, um, it just... I don't know, the comedy, just it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I can't even. I've never even gotten through all of it because my kids can't be awake sure. at all. Like if I think they're sleeping in their room and they can hear Daddy cursing in the other room in multiple voices, um, then I'm like, I can't watch it. So I've seen, a, a, you know, about a third of it or something sure. like that. I love it. It's, it's so. Fun. I really do. It's one of the ones that's killing me that I haven't gotten around to seeing uh, a little bit more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was difficult. It was also during the uh, uh, pandemic, and it was it was right when they were figuring out how to make it work from home. Sure. So there were a lot of sessions where we would watch a loop, you know, watching one line, and uh, and it would change every time they played it.
0: Right. So if
1: the first time they played it, the flap was like... Then they play it again and it goes... Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, play it one more time, I have no idea. Every time you do it, it's there, and they play it again, and sure enough, it was like... And you're like, <laughs> it's not, I, I don't even know what, I'm just gonna listen to the audio and give my best read to what the audio is doing. And hopefully that'll fit in on your end. But that's a frustrating thing because you wanna look at your performance immediately and go, that match is great, or hold on a second, give me one more because there's something else he's doing in the animation. So it was very frustrating to record and, and there was a lot of trust. Like, are you sure that looks good on your end? It doesn't work on my end, and you—it's a hard thing to do as an actor to just when you're used to that to let it go.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you, Keith. This has been awesome, and just yeah, love everything you've done.
1: Everything, come on. (laughs) Most, I'll accept most. Some, maybe. Sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
0: Of otaku here with Christina V, and just very happy to be talking with you, Christina. You've done so many just amazing roles over the years. I'm excited to just get into it Sweet. all with you. I think one of your like most prolific characters is definitely Ray, Sailor Mars from Sailor Moon. Uh, she was definitely my favorite of the Sailor Scouts <laughs> growing yes. up. And just was it an interesting experience getting to return to that character for Sailor Moon Crystal and just playing it again? H- had your like interpretation of the character changed at all i know crystal is like a little different in tone she
2: was definitely less sassy and more like a little princessy yeah. i feel yeah so we definitely changed the voice up a bit i was just glad that they they asked us back to do Crystal right. as well it, yeah that
0: is like a bit of an unusual experience to yeah. have to reprise the character like that in a slightly different
2: context yeah. so because we were recording the original series I think we recorded it a bit, and then Crystal at the same time. So concurrently, we're doing both of them. I understand now. It's up to me. I know what I have to do. Mars power! Make
0: up! Um, kind of a similar show, but like another one I like a lot is you're the titular character in Magical Girl Lyrica, lyrical Nanoha, oh my and. God. That show is, like, having a recent resurgence. Is they just it? announced, like, a Blu-ray coming out this year for it. Oh, my God. With, like, the... With my voice? With your voice and all that. And just, why do you think that show is kind of stuck with people over the years? And is it exciting to think of, like, a whole new generation of people oh that will man. get to experience that show?
2: That's crazy. That was... I was 19 when I did that show.
0: Yeah, it seemed like it was one of your first
2: I think roles. it was my first leading role. I think the appeal for that show is, like, they're small girls, but they have, like, these big weapons, and they're like, be my friend, otherwise I'll have to end your life. And <laughs> seriously, that that's what I remember from the show. Um, and guess what? They all become friends. So,
0: It's lovely. Kind of similar to that, too, but, like, Madoka Magica is one of my favorite anime, and it's just such, like, a interesting subversion of the typical magical girl show homura i think is like one of anime's like most tragic figures like yeah. it's, what a wild character and just after having done a few more conventional magical girl series was that an interesting experience to be involved with that and are you excited for the movie that's coming out that's like supposed to wrap up the whole shebang
2: i've been waiting for that movie for Me a too. million years i can't wait Um, yeah, I loved Madoka, I thought it was, especially when it came out, it was like, what is happening? Exactly, This is crazy, I can't believe that they're doing this. Uh, If you haven't seen it before, 10 year old spoilers, but (laughs) when mommy got her head bit off, I was like, that's a joke, like, that's not, that's not how, that's, it's good, she's gonna come back to life. And it wasn't until like the end of episode 12 where I'm like, oh my god, she, she, she did, she died! Yeah. She's dead, she was gone!
0: Yeah, it's no the the way that shows keeps on surprising you Very is good. really special. Yeah, um, Serena from Tower of God too is um, yes. such a cool character. I'm really happy to hear that a second season of that is coming out. Are you excited to get back to that is character? She going back? Well, I I'm I don't know for Have sure. Have you read but, the manhwa? Well, I haven't. I haven't read the full thing. But okay. I also just wanted to say too, like that whole trend of South Korean manhwa. Becoming anime, like, what's your take on that? I think that's so cool.
2: Good. <laughs> more, the more, the better.
0: <laughs> you, you've played like a lot of um, just really powerful female characters, but uh, Hunter Hunter's Kalua too is like such a special character. I think special. he's one of the like I don't like in the shonen genre. He just really stands out as a cool character and. What was your impression on him when you first started playing that character and what has it been like to kind of be a part of that character's legacy?
2: That's an interesting one because I had no idea how big right. it was going to be. Um, I just saw he was cool.
0: Mm-hmm. When I
2: read the, the audition side was the scene where he was ripping out the guy's heart. I was like, yeah, this kid is hardcore. <laughs> he's awesome and he's purple. So I'll probably book yeah. this one. I would get a couple people saying like, hey, I like Hunter Hunter. It's a couple people. But then after the pandemic, now it's everywhere. And like, right. what happened? Holy cripes. If I hadn't stopped when I did, I probably would have ended up killing the old man to get the ball.
0: It hit Netflix, I think. I think that really helped it. And like Netflix. That it's now just really available. And there's so much of it that you can really just yeah. like, binge on it and enjoy yourself.
2: Yeah, it's been crazy. Like, for me... The moment I realized like that something had changed with Hunter Hunter was I was talking like over Zoom, through, over the pandemic, to a group of kids. They're like, oh, I voice Ladybug. And they're like, yeah, I love Ladybug. <laughs> and then I said, I'm also Killua from Hunter Hunter. And everyone was like, Killua! <laughs> like, these kids went crazy. I'm yeah. like, what happened? That's insane. It's cool.
0: Yeah, um, I'm a really big Pokemon fan too. I love that you got to like, play Cubone and Pokemon Origins. Yeah. Um, were you a big Pokemon fan before getting involved with that? And like, do you have a favorite Pokemon that you'd like to voice?
2: Me and Pokemon go way back to red and blue. Nice. I was a nerdy nerdy kid. I had a friend and he was like, let's play this new game. It's called Pokemon. I was like, okay. <laughs> play Pokemon Blue and then I had a pocket Pikachu. Me that was too. my good friend. Um so yeah, I love Pokemon. I was the Pokemon girl in school. And um, to be part of it, and that wasn't my first one. I, I voiced a couple of like, human characters in the series like, right. a long time ago. And then I just keep getting called back. Uh, got to play, I've played a lot of Pokemon characters. I played Cubone, and I played Marnie, mm-hmm. in Pokemon, that one game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I played Green in one of like the, the web series, right, which was yeah, really yeah. cool. Uh, I voice Ash's Riolu. I voice a lot of characters now in Pokemon. Pokemon.
0: I think Mobile Suit Gundam is kind of like one of the biggest anime institutions is on a lot of like people's anime bucket list to be a part of that show. And Iron-Blooded Orphans, I think, is like one of the best modern Gundam series that's out there. Was it exciting to join the Gundam franchise and also just be a part of a mecha show? You haven't done much mecha yeah. stuff, have you? So
2: I grew up loving Gundam Wing, so nice. that too. was, yeah, yeah. I loved Gundam Wing in more ways than one. Hero Yui. Um, so yeah, it was really exciting. And also, really shocking what happened to my character. Yes,
0: <laughs>
2: I was like, wh- I had a it's hunch. A dark show, yeah. I had a hunch because I was like, wow, my character has a lot of lines this episode. Oh, she's happy. Oh no,
0: <laughs> never again. I
2: thing. knew something was going to happen. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I was not expecting that.
0: Um, in addition to voice acting, you've done some like um, like directing and casting work in video games too. Um, as a- Like, actor, is that a good experience to kind of help you with your skills? Are you looking to do more of that in the future?
2: It's very good to be on the other end of that. Mm -hmm. It really helped take away a lot of my anxiety, a lot of the things I would worry about. Like, I realized, like, oh, the directors aren't thinking that at all. Like, they're really not. Um, So that helped. But uh, I am very lucky. I'm extremely busy, like, with acting and traveling. And I was offered the opportunity to be like a full-time director and I I said no I can't maybe one day yeah one day when like when I want to kind of just be in one place but I think right now like I'm supposed to be acting like I have a lot a lot to give with my acting still so that's what I'm gonna do
0: I love that yeah and it's I mean if you can still occasionally do those things I think that's really cool too uh
2: the way forward titles like I will always direct those
0: cool yeah I I love love, yeah and just, um, you've been like voice acting in the industry for like two decades now. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned like starting at 19 and stuff. How have you kind of seen the dubbing industry change over that time and just kind of how like fandom itself has evolved since you started getting into it all?
2: Oh, it's changed so much. It's become so mainstream. Um, it's crazy, like, like I never, like it was just what I love to do. You know, mm-hmm. I love anime. Yeah, it's, it's just gotten so popular.
0: Yeah. Even just like the, the way that simul dubs work now and stuff too, like it's, or there was a point when it seemed like only the most mainstream kind of like, shown in stuff was getting dubs, and now almost everything gets one. It's really cool yeah. to see. Um, you don't have to hope that a show is going to get a dub. That a lot of the time it will happen.
2: Yeah, yeah, and the turnaround's so much faster. Yeah, um,
0: or you don't have to just buy it on VHS <laughs> from yeah. a store now too. There's streaming services specifically for it.
2: And it's weird because I never like thought like, oh, I'll become famous voice actor. Like that's not what you yeah. think. But these days now it's like I'm in public and people are like, are you Christina V? Like, pretty like it happens more often. More mm-hmm. more often, it's pretty crazy that that's... Yeah,
0: the the fans definitely are aware of the performers, which I yeah. don't think was the case, you know, a decade yep, or two. for or sure. About, which is great. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, just thank you so much, Christina. It was great talking. Love your roles and just hope we keep getting more of you. Thank Doing you great so stuff. much. That was great talking to the talent, but you know, what would a convention be without the fans? So let's hit the floor and see what they're up to. What would you all say is an underrated anime that more people need to check out or something that not enough people have seen? Yuri on Ice Neon Genesis Evangelion Grand Blue Dreaming
2: Yu Yu Hakusho Dragon Ball Hell's Paradise Naruto Shippuden
0: Bye
1: Families
2: New Game Food Wars Ghost Stories Parasite Tokyo Ghoul Psyche K Durarara Seraph of the End Serial
0: Experiments Lane Another, Violet Evergarden Undead Unlock or darker than black. How was the anime scene in London? Like what's the community like here? I've been cosplaying since
2: I was 15. I'm now in my thirties. It's a lot bigger now than it used to be.
0: It's just full of a lot of um, diversity, a lot of people that are into very different fandoms and it's very accepting.
2: It's taught me good morals, what's right, what's wrong. People from lots of background, all ages, like everybody is welcome here. As years gone by, it's great to see this community grow.
0: We at denovutaku love to celebrate holidays and one of our favorite holidays is pokemon day february 27th and we have a special segment here powered by our friends at ebay that kind of shines a light on one of the more exclusive new pokemon trading cards that's available pokemon has kind of invaded every marketplace whether it's like anime, video games, but the trading card game is such a fun extra avenue for collectors. And everyone knows about, you know, the, the rare cards like Charizard and how exciting that is to get in your deck, but there are a few cards that are a little more exclusive, that you can only get if you're in the right place, or the right event, and only a few of them exist. Like, there's a bunch of cards that were only available to the winners of certain Pokemon trading card competitions in Japan, There's a Hollow Illustrator Pikachu card that was available to an original Pokemon illustration contest. There's, remember Pokemon Snap where you took pictures on your Nintendo 64? There's a Japanese game show that took the best pictures from Pokemon Snap, turned them into trading cards, and there's a Chansey from that that's like one of the rarest Pokemon cards. All of these you can find on eBay, and it's great that you don't actually have to be at these things to get these cards. Now, something that's happened very recently is The Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam has done a collaboration with Pokemon that uses Pokemon to kind of bring people into the post-impressionist art world and uses Pokemon as a conduit to learn more about art, specifically Van Gogh. So the Van Gogh Museum did a Pokemon collaboration where they have a bunch of renowned Japanese artists who have redone Van Gogh paintings, but with Pokemon. And they have a whole exhibit there that kind of turns Van Gogh and everything that's going on there into different Pokemon-themed things. One of the biggest kind of prized items here is a rare trading card, Pikachu with gray felt hat. It's riffing on Van Gogh's self-portrait with gray felt hat. Now, what was supposed to happen here is that each person that goes to this museum can get one of these cards. And what's happened is a lot of scalpers have gone to the museum, kind of overtaken it, and just accumulated these items. There's been a bunch of kids that have gone to the museum and people have approached them outside of the museum to buy their cards for maybe $30, $40, $50 and then flip them for a much higher price afterwards. And it's very interesting to see how this event that's kind of designed to foster art awareness and use Pokemon as like a fun angle for that has turned into this huge collector scene. And I mean, this is not the first time this has happened. Sculpers will go everywhere and there's a real discussion to be had with Pokemon events that. The fans can't even get in because there's so many scalpers there that want to manipulate and just take advantage of the event so What's happened here is because there was such chaos at the Van Gogh Museum, PokemonCenter.com decided to release these cards online to avoid this and still have the museum be like a safe place where you can learn about Van Gogh and appreciate Pokemon. But even on PokemonCenter.com, these cards sold out in three hours. So unless you were like the first one to go to this website, you weren't able to get the card. So regardless of whether you're in Amsterdam or on online, this card has become very rare and it's, Interesting, because it's not as if it's a particularly powerful card if you actually play the trading card game, but the art is beautiful. It's really one of the better-designed Pokemon cards, and it's had this really interesting second life, and it raises some bigger questions on the next Pokemon exclusive card and what's gonna happen with all of that. So the one thing is you can find this card on eBay, like it's going for anywhere between 100 to $500, but you can still get this card, and it's kind of nice that through the conduit of eBay, you don't have to actually be in Amsterdam or be the first to you know click pokemoncenter.com to get this card so just seems very interesting that pikachu with gray felt hat has become this recent uh, phenomenon in the Pokemon world, and it should be interesting to see if more famous artists are celebrated through Pokemon, if it's just Van Gogh, because Van Gogh did have a reputation and relationship with Japanese prints. He used Japanese prints to kind of inspire some of his works, and it's fun to kind of use Pokemon as a synthesis of what he was doing and where modern pop culture is at. So yeah, we just wanted to kind of shine a light on Pikachu with felt hat, And how if this Pokemon Day you want to buy something really special, that's the big ticket item to get. And who knows what will be available next year, but for this Pokemon Day, Pikachu with gray felt hat. Hello there, fellow Otaku. I know we spent most of this episode in London, but I would be remiss if we did not give you another segment in our ongoing tradition, Release the Hounds and the Big Three. To remind you all, Release the Hounds is our spotlight on anime physical media. Physical media doesn't nearly get enough attention, but anime still treats it with a lot of respect. There's some anime that you can only find in physical media. There are other shows that have gone out of print that have been re-released, and you can find them that way now. And anime just really cherishes physical media and we love to kind of spotlight that. So in this installment of Release the Hounds, the first thing we'd like to put a spotlight on is Lupin the Third's Sweet Lost Night that released on January 30th. Lupin the Third is a prolific kind of crime and heist series that's been going on for 50 years. In addition to the anime, there's also a lot of movies and TV specials, and a lot of these TV specials have slipped through the cracks, Sweet Lost Night being one of them, and it's exciting to see this get released because the franchise is kind of filling in those gaps. So if you're a completionist, it's exciting now that Sweet Lost Night has been released. There's only a few Lupin specials that haven't been released yet. So it's finally kind of completing that series. And it's cool that you can have it all. So Sweet Lost Night is such an interesting Lupin Third installment because it kind of mixes the standard crime and heist story with fantasy and folklore. In this edition, Lupin gets a magic lamp that has a genie in it and he's trying to solve the mystery of what going what's going on with this lamp but every night at 7 p.m he loses his memory his memory gets wiped and so it has a bit of a mix of like aladdin meets memento meets groundhog day if you like Lupin the third it's an exciting change of pace because it's not just crime and heist hijinks it also has like fantasy elements with the genie it's a really creative approach to incorporate a genie into a heist story and it takes everything that audience have, re- have really liked about lupin the third but kind of uh, jazzed it up in a new kind of package. So the Third, sweet last night, January 30th. The next thing we'd like to highlight is Spy Family Season 1 Part 2 that releases on February 13th. And Spy Family is one of the most exciting shows from the past few years. There's a video game that's come out. There's a movie that's coming out this year too. And basically, if you like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, this is kind of like the anime version of that. Um, there's like a famous spy his mission requires that he starts a family, so he finds himself a wife, he adopts a child, but unbeknownst to him, this child is a telepath, and the wife is an assassin, and he kind of gets more than he bargained for, but all of them kind of can do these spy missions, and help him out, and do these incredible things. And the show really is successful when it comes to, like, the action and spy hijinks, but just on, like, a character level, it is so satisfying this found family don't really have any genuine emotions for each other when they first meet but they like they gradually learn to love each other and it's just so sweet to see them fall in love with one another and build this genuine family even if it came out of like impure circumstances so spy family season one part two it has everything you'd want in this type of show there's a limited edition in addition to the standard the limited edition has like a 40 page art booklet there's a lot of fun collector items included like cufflinks, a notepad and stickers just fun stuff so if you like this show there's something extra there beyond just the episodes themselves so yeah spy family you should really check it out And the last thing we have for Release the Hounds is Paprika, the 4K limited edition steelbook. This releases on February 20th. Paprika is the final film by Satoshi Kon. Satoshi Kon is one of the more prolific anime auteurs. He died of pancreatic cancer at a very young age, so he has a very small filmography. There's Perfect Blue, Tokyo Godfather's Millennium Actress, the TV show Paranoia Agent, which is incredible, and then Paprika. And Paprika is such a beautiful synthesis of what he's done. It involves technology that allows characters to go into each other's dreams and kind of understand each other. However, this technology gets in the wrong hands and under these, you know, criminals, they have the ability to erase someone's entire personality with this text. So it becomes this really interesting dream heist to kind of stop this crime from going on but it's also just so visually gorgeous like the way it interprets dreams and goes from one kind of scene to another it really plays with visuals and storytelling in fun ways perfect blue was kind of adapted and a lot of that was taken in darren aronofsky's black swan Paprika definitely feels like Inception, that Christopher Nolan hasn't officially said that Paprika is an inspiration for Inception, but if you ever watched Inception and thought, I wish this were an anime, Paprika hits all of those bases so, so well. It's a great story if you like action, if you like fantasy, psychological drama. And if you've just watched anything else by Satoshi Kon and are interested to see what else he's done, this is his final piece and it's a really incredible encapsulation of what he's done and where he was kind of going as an artist. So, once again, we have Lupin the Third, Sweet Lost Night, on January 30th, Spy Family Season 1 Part 2 on February 13th, and Paprika Limited Edition 4K Steelbook on February 20th. Now, Release the Hounds was a lot of fun, but before we go, we have one more edition of The Big Three. For those of you who are unfamiliar with The Big Three, The Big Three is our highlight of just anything going on in anime. There's so much anime out there. It's so easy for these shows to slip through the cracks, but on The Big Three, we highlight New stuff, old stuff, anything that just deserves a little more attention. So in the latest installment of this, the first show we'd like to highlight is Ninja Kamui. This is an original production on Adult Swim. Adult Swim has gotten into more and more original anime productions, which kind of really shows you how much they value the medium. Obviously, Tsunami was a great kind of... Uh, scheduling programming block that help people discover anime in America, but it's great to see them creating their own shows now. Ninja Kamui comes from Sanghu Park, who is a great action director, choreographer. He's done Jujutsu Kaisen, God of High School, and this show, it really feels a lot like John Wick or even like A History of Violence. It has a former assassin, Joe Hagan, who retires from that trade, kind of tries to start a family and just live a normal life only for his former employees to kill his family and think that they've killed him too. There's a lot of Kill Bill going on there as well. And so it becomes this engrossing revenge story where Joe wants to get revenge on the people who have killed his family. But, you know, it, it deals with ninja action, there's also a lot of, like, cybernetic technology going on, so it's not just straight combat and swordplay. Brings a lot more to the table than that. The animation is incredible, the fight choreography, it's extremely violent, so it fits in with the Adult Swim brand very, very well. And it's just exciting to see something like this being produced by Adult Swim. It's also set some really interesting precedent for the network. They've never aired subtitled anime before. It's always been dubbed except for like a few April Fools jokes that they've done this is airing both dubbed and subtitled so hopefully this will kind of start a trend of more subtitled anime in its original form being aired on adult swim it's only a few episodes into itself at this point so it's good to kind of get on the ground floor and see where all of this is going it's such a creative exciting action show ninja kamui the next show we'd like to highlight is Yuritsai Yetsura, Season 2. This is a show by Remiko Takahashi, who did Rama One Half, Unuyasha. It's originally a show from the 1980s, and this is kind of a modern remake of it. What's interesting is David Production is doing it, so the visuals are just gorgeous. It really is one of the prettiest shows to come along in the past few years. But even though it's a modern remake, it still feels very much like it's steeped in 80s sensibilities. It's a shounen comedy about like a slacker, womanizer, high school student who kind of unintentionally becomes betrothed to an alien named Lum who has electric powers. So a lot of the comedy comes from like the will they, won't they tension between this slacker and this alien. But it has such like a creative cast of characters. The show really knows how to spread the wealth between its supporting cast. So every episode feels a little different. Even though this is the second season, it is such a fun standalone show that you can jump in at any point and really not be lost. If you like it, it's a good idea to check out the original 80s version, but you don't really need to see the original to make sense of what's going on in this. And it's just so funny. Like, it's got great characters, great animation, and the jokes are just really, really fun. So, once again, Yuritsai Yatsura Season 2. It's currently airing, and one of the best shows of the year, in my opinion. And lastly, we have Shaman King Flowers. Shaman King Flowers is a modern sequel series to the Shonen show Shaman King. Shaman King exists in a world where people can kind of see, communicate, and battle with spirits. There's a lot of battle shounen energy going on, but it also has like a Saturday morning cartoon aesthetic. It reminds me of like Digimon Adventure in a lot of ways, even though it's, like, not dealing with collecting monsters or anything like that, but it's just really soothing and nostalgic in that sense, and there's a lot of sequel shows that focus on the children of the original cast this show takes the same approach but unlike something like Boruto or uh, Yashahime Princess Half Demon you don't need to watch the shaman the original shaman king to make sense of shaman king flowers it certainly helps and it is a great way to get an expanded version of the story but it works very hard to succeed as its own entity I wasn't that familiar with shaman king before i watched it and i could follow it just fine and it helped me go back and revisit the original show too so it's just a really entertaining battle shonen show that's on right now that has fun characters a really light-hearted personality and the spirits are just really fun and different too so once again for this episode's big three we have ninja kamui yuritsai Yatsura season two and shaman king flowers All right, fellow Utaku, this was such a fun change of pace. We got to spend some time in London, go across the pond, do our regular segments, and have a lot of fun. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have in this episode before I get izakai'd back to reality. Then, Utaku would once again like to thank everyone who helped out with this episode, and thank you, the viewers, for just checking it out and being Utakus yourselves. So, see y'all later, space cowboys.